0: And welcome to Little Field Live Streaming. Tonight's show is the Cultivator of Weird Podcasts with Chad Jay. Now please welcome your host, Chad Jay.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We have an extremely special episode ahead of us. Uh, I am joined today by our guests uh, and incredible artists, uh, Sergio Barale and Angela Kina. Um, they have created a piece called Frontline Warriors that's traveling around to different hospitals throughout the New York metro area, uh, raising awareness for the people that are on the front lines battling the pandemic currently. Um, we're going to talk to them about their, you know, inspiration for the piece. Uh their backgrounds as artists, and uh, how this all has taken shape over the time of the pandemic, uh, through the shutdown, traveling around to hospitals, and meeting these different frontline workers where their inspirations really drove them. And, uh, and we're going to, you know, fortunately, uh, as, as a rare case, get to meet the artists and talk to them and, and get to know them. Uh,
0: and not just their work. Uh, So welcome to the show, Sergio and Angela. Hey guys, how are you?
1: (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here thank you thanks for having us yeah absolutely um it's it's an absolute pleasure um you you guys have had uh incredible you know uh trajectories as artists individually and and you came together for this this you know massive piece of work that's you know uh benefiting a lot of people and 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 doing so much right now and uh while a lot of people are you know, laying low and and you know hiding out in their studios. You guys are, you know, popping your heads out and uh, and and more than that and and created a fifteen foot long piece of artwork uh, that that would benefit everybody involved in this current pandemic. And um, we just want to talk about that piece, uh, where you guys came from and and uh how it's benefiting uh the community at large right now and uh and also you know where things go from here. Um so if if you don't mind, uh if if you guys uh aren't aren't too too bashful, uh introduce yourselves individually, maybe start with Angela and 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 just give us a little bit of background on like how you started out. um, you know, working in, in, in art and, and made it a, a, a lifelong pursuit and we'll, we'll transition into Sergio and then we can talk about the piece. Go for it.
0: Thanks. Um, <laughs> sorry, to put the, sorry
1: to put the pressure right on you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I live in New York. I've been here for like 10 years and I'm a
0: painter
2: and an artist and, um, I actually started my career on the corner of West Broadway and Prince. And I, um, used to, I, I used to set up a van there like on the weekends and sell prints of my paintings. Cause I just saw people doing that. And I just got into New York and I didn't really know
3: much about the art world. All
2: I knew was that people were selling their art and I was like, I can do that. So, um, that's, awesome. that's how I got started. And then I just met tons of people being out there. And it all just transpired from there. um
1: Did you go to art school at all? And and is that something I, that like?
2: I recently went to art school, like just for fun, kind of. Just because it, was something, <laughs> it was something that I always wanted to do, and I always like felt like I had missed out on something because I didn't go to college. So I went, and actually, I went to the New York Academy of Art, and they let me in. Um, to a master's program without having a bachelor's degree. So save myself some money that way. And
1: yeah, that might say something about your work. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talk?
2: I have a question about the live thing. So we're on live, but they can't see you. Yeah. Can we go live with you? I, I, I mean,
1: I, I, that, that that's a question for the uh, the show hosts. I, I would have to ask you.
2: Oh, I thought maybe I could, like, invite you here or
1: something. I, I think if you're sharing your screen on IG Live, it's only going to be you guys. But I'm fine with that. Like, I don't need to be a part okay. of that. Yeah. If you okay, okay. well, they can
2: phones. hear you.
1: Chad, if oh. you have your phone and you want to go live with them on Instagram Live, they can um, invite you.
3: Okay. Yes.
2: That would be cool, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, totally. Invite someone anyone can watch. Yeah, let's try and invite them. It's uh, oh. it's cu- Cultivator of Weird. And then, Chad, you just prop up your phone.
0: Okay. Oh, um, I, I, I just want to make
1: sure I have this right, Gabe. I have to prop up my phone somewhere that it can see me correctly?
3: Yeah. Nice I don't one. know. It it has it. Me.
2: <laughs> I think you have to be watching it in order to do it.
3: Okay, like, if so. you
2: watch me, then I think I can invite you. Danielle says that. Danielle
0: says, okay. "I to invite you." Uh, there will be um, something at the bottom that says. Thanks,
2: Danielle.
0: It's Got it.
2: We'll
1: figure it out. Um, and I could, should, should I hard. find you? Is it chew gum? Challenge oh, it. Gum
2: again.
0: shoe.
1: Yeah, G- G- gum. G- gum shoe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gums you are. Mm-hmm.
0: That's okay.
1: All right. Uh, live. Okay. I'm there. I. You That's know what? Funny. I don't know if this. Oh, is gonna, I, I don't know if this is going to cause an echo yeah all All right, Yeah, let's not do that sorry to everybody listening we're just trying to pirate sorry, the
0: like radio station 5%. no 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 i
1: i i assume that that would happen like if there's too many if there's too many things uh satelliting through one location it creates that weird echo and i, I would,
0: okay.
1: it's like when people call into a radio station and they're they have the radio too loud
0: Mm, yeah, they yeah. got their stereo going. Yeah, so yeah,
1: fun. yeah, exactly. Um okay. so, so continue. So you you went to art school after the fact, but like I
2: just graduated from art school last year.
1: Well, congratulations.
2: Thanks, thanks. First I don't of all, have a master's in fine art now.
1: Hey. Woo! Masters yeah. in fine art and MFA. Um you're one of the, the very few people that is uh doing something very constructive with your MFA I think at this point uh in terms of like the overall landscape of of uh of artists in general I I I feel like so many people go for their MFA or their art degree and they they lose hope very quickly or they don't continue on the path and uh yeah
2: i kind of did it all backwards though i like was an artist and then i went to school you know and and i'm still an artist so i'm not going to stop and i'm kind of the i'm kind i'm the kind of person that like makes my own
1: opportunities
2: you know so like
1: that's how you have to
0: be though
2: right yeah i agree
0: and and you started out doing graffiti art if i'm not mistaken
2: Well, originally, I was in my apartment painting with oil on canvas. And then when I started doing selling my art on the street, and I was like, I had just gotten to New York, and I was like, um, seeing street art everywhere, and I just thought it was really cool, and I wanted to be a part of it. And I met, so while I was out there, I met this guy named Adam Dare, and he's a street artist. And and I was like, can you teach me how to do that? And he was like, oh, you're going to need a thing. And I was like, oh, I have a thing. Because I had just done this painting of like Dorothy from the knees down, and she's wearing striped stockings and stiletto ruby really red slippers. And she was like at a fork in the road um, on the yellow brick road. Like it was like a fairy, it was like Mary Alice in Wonderland. And she was stepping on a piece of gum, like at a fork in the road. Like one road went to the darkness and one went to the light. I don't know, it's like symbolic, but like. Anyway, so I knew that that was like strong imagery. So when he said I needed a thing, I just like cut the legs and the gum out of the painting. Like I cut the background out and I started blowing it up. And so that's how I got the name Gum Shoe. That's <laughs> and
0: awesome.
2: Yeah. And then I, shortly after that, I started doing murals of like, I like made it a little more um, kind of modern with the, with the, um, Christian Louboutin shoes, and I took the stockings off, gave her bare legs, and, like, made it a little bit sexier and started painting it
0: around the city.
1: Okay. Yeah. So as somebody who did it backwards, because you talk to a lot of people that, you know, have done it the other way, and, you know, uh, specifically I talked to Jim Mafood. Uh, on a different podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. And he was talking about his experience with art school. And he said, you know, his, his, uh, you know, his offering was, you know, if you live in a city that has a prolific artist, Look for the guy that you really want to learn from, and then, or the person that you really want to learn from, and go to them and ask if they can point you to an internship or if you can work directly with them and save yourself the thousands of dollars. But, and I, I, I'm not saying that that necessarily equates to you in your case, but like um, in terms of art in general, do you feel like school is something that is beneficial to artists uh, from your experience, or would you? Point people to a more kind of guerrilla style of learning, especially with YouTube nowadays and everything
0: else.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean with YouTube, you can learn anything online. Um, <laughs> we just learned how to build a pergola online. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I learned a lot in school. Like I, there was like I learned a lot about politics of the art world and like. Um, how to work with other people better you know because like being an artist is like really you're just like nobody really bothers you but when you're in a group of people like it's more difficult um so i learned a lot but also i learned like techniques like there's certain techniques like there's certain like art is kind of like poetry like and once you're in the flow it's kind of like a conversation with like a, a higher power or something right in my opinion yeah but there are also like techniques that are more like math which is how you can learn to paint because there are certain techniques where like things work if you do it this way and so i the reason that i wanted to go to school is because i wanted to learn those things even though like i already was doing them intuitively yeah for the most part i you get you get the cheat codes i learned yeah i learned the names of things that i was already doing but at the same time like I wanted to learn those things and be able to do them so well that it was like, it's like when you're like, I just wanted to be in the flow and not have to think about like, like how to do something, you know, where it's just like second nature for my hand to do it. Cause I've done it so many times. And when it comes down to it, it's all practice. Like you, when you're in art school, you make a lot of art and yeah. you make a lot of bad paintings. And, you know, that's, that's part of, like, you don't have to go to school to do it at all, you know, and, like, networking is a lot of being in school, but that, I, honestly, I didn't really do that much of it. Well, <laughs> I, it's,
1: I, I think, I think you could kind of, in, in, this is a very rough generalization, but you could kind of accommodate it to a gym membership, right? Like you, you know, you're supposed to work out, you know, you're supposed to make those hours count, but like, until you're paying for it and until you're a- attached to it in a certain degree, like you're not summoned, uh, for, for most people, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying like, it, it increases the incentive to go and do that thing, Right. And, you know,
0: yeah.
1: like that, 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 that whole process but somebody
2: of, who like, works out and somebody who's like good at working out and dedicated to working out is going to work out even if they don't have a gym. Yes. And I totally with an agree.
0: Like I totally if you're agree.
2: not going to paint, like if you can't paint because somebody's telling you, you have a, a deadline, then you're not going to make it.
0: Yes.
1: Yes. I, I a hundred percent agree. And I, and I think that's that. And, and that's why I always ask the question of like, do you believe that? you know, that school is this evident tool of progression, because I feel like people that are prolific and that create work and not for an MFA program necessarily, but for, you know, just an entry level, you know, a uh, BA, I feel like, you know, you you talk to a lot of people and they they're looking for, they're looking for some sort of cheat code that exists there that doesn't necessarily adhere it doesn't attach itself, and they it, it, and because w- when you're talking about people that are really live that really live to paint and really live to do what you guys are doing, it, it just is inherently ingrained. Like you wake up every day and it, you know you kind of just have to create something. You know you have to. There's there's a a push right. Like if you when you guys don't paint for a week you know, or you, if you have to take time off because you're not feeling the itch, like it, it, it digs at you. It has to. And that, yeah, exactly. And, and that, I think, I think that's something that people struggle with, but um, I, I, I just, I always like to ask that because, you know, when, you know, when someone creates prolifically and they've, they've, you know, gone through the rigors of art school with the, you know, the, um, the critiques and everything else and all of that, you know, it, it, it definitely, uh, it, it adds another level. And I, I just, I always want to know where people's perspective is in terms of whether or not it was worth it, you know? Um, but I, yeah,
0: I I, think
2: I thought it was worth it. I had a blast. I loved it. And I learned a lot and I got better while I was there.
0: Nice. Because
2: of all the painting that I did. I, I probably made like, Two solo shows in the last two months that I was at at school. Also, it makes you competitive. I mean, you're probably already competitive, but you know, when you're surrounded by people who are making like a lot of really good work, it makes you want to make a lot of really good work. Yeah. So, you know, and you can have that without being in a school too. You can be in an art studio building where there's other artists and you can be friends with artists. And, you know, a lot of artists, though, like me, like keep to ourselves, you know, so it's, so, being in that environment is not what I'm used to, so that was new for me, but I liked it.
1: The entire reason that i I created this podcast is because, <laughs> is because artists for the most part are you know they're insulated you don't you only Great. see the, the final product of what they've created right. you don't really get to know them uh on, on that topic uh sergio uh give us give us some give us some background give us some some Bullet points and details, and where
3: where did this all start for you, Ben? Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, um I uh, <laughs> I've been making artwork since I was a little kid. I guess I I had more of the traditional trajectory, going get my BFA at the uh, Maryland Institute College of Art, and uh, for a long time, I I mean, it's a, yeah, for a long time I was like, no, nah, that wasn't the way I should have done, it. I should have just gone to new york city and started like right after high school working with an artist we're not even gone to high school If i could skip anything i'd skip high school i, w- I think i should have <laughs> like, eight years old you know uh to uh like, maybe even like skipped middle school i didn't need any of it you um, knew when you were eight years old that you wanted to be a painter yeah oh yeah. that's amazing man yeah, I killed it. I killed all the other eight-year-olds. I crushed all the eight-year-olds in drawing and stuff like that. I have these competitions in class. I love <laughs> it. it was like, I love it. Like popular for making pictures and that just like served to to build an ego, which shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but um yeah, like uh I think the best thing to do is to have an apprenticeship and to start working with an artist as soon as you can. Um and uh have you know a trusted artist maybe cultivate that but I will say like I do agree with uh Angela like going to art school like Maryland's College of Art um it's like one of the first art schools uh in America like Abraham Lincoln like went and spoke there and um it was it's Jeff Koons went there it's like a highly conceptual school so I was introduced to something that I never knew about which was conceptual art and um Shop and going into art history, all that stuff was really, really important to know to navigate Chelsea and like the contemporary art market, um, which I probably would have missed unless I had schooling. Um, the friendships and connections that you make there, um, I mean, I only have like two that are left uh, that really kind of carried on throughout the rest of my life. But, uh, and What's bad is that I distinctly remember them advertising it as like to my parents on like uh, um, whatever one of those uh, introduction days that uh, yeah, your son will have a career you know once he's done he'll be an illustrator or something and uh, that didn't happen. I wound up uh, <laughs> I wound up just like um, uh, finding my way in in Baltimore uh, like working two years after school as like basically a video editor. And, um, then like someone stole a bunch of money from the company that I, I was, uh, working for it. Um, they laid me off and I had like a straight six months to make work. And I started making these gigantic pencil drawings of, um, like sort of patriarchy, this was back in like 2007 before really like the patriarchy was a big conversation and there weren't any movements going on. Uh, But uh, no one really took notice to it. And I I spent six months doing these gigantic pencil drawings that um, were inspired by Chuck Close, but there are like these sort of old religious um, popes that probably would have put you at stake, you know, for like questioning anything about God Know, if you were a scientist, you were definitely burned, or hanged, or pulled apart. Yeah, you know. So, um, I, I took an interest in that and um, made that work, and then really, like, it, I moved. Like, then ten years went by where I moved up to New York City. I had a solo show in New York City. And I moved up to New York City. so I was like, "This is it," and then uh, it was not it. It was like a, a long trudge <laughs> um, of like. Just closed <laughs> doors, um I wound up becoming a gallery manager um in Chelsea, and like uh I worked my way up the gallery uh ladder to all all the way to becoming a director of a uh, art gallery on fifty seventh street in New York City, and wow. then I was like selling paintings on the wall, and I was like. Man, I wanna be selling my paintings. This fucking sucks. <laughs> like I, I can't take this. So uh, a friend of mine, this guy Martin Whitfoot, who's also a really talented painter, would, just bought this um property upstate and he was like, hey, I got this like really shabby cabin. If you wanna rebuild it and try and make some more work, then you can. And so that's what I did for, I moved up to the woods for like four years. I dropped everything in New York City and I moved up to the woods to, to like, to paint and just be in solitude and do carpentry. And um, and then my career took off. I got actually some notoriety in High Fructose Magazine. And after that article, all those big gigantic portraits that I made back in 2007, which like, apparently didn't amount to anything, so it made me feel good. They all stole, <laughs> like, in a second. <laughs> and, Amazing. Uh, yeah, and um, then I started showing galleries around the world and some museums, and um, uh, then I moved back from upstate, and I guess here we are today. That was kind of, like, the long and short of it. So, um, I, I, I guess...
1: As as a question for a lot of people, potentially fans of yours that are currently listening and people that are watching, um, I, I think something to something something to make very clear uh, is the difficulty as an artist in terms of valuing yourself and your work. Right? It's like there's a dichotomy between like creating something and the hours that you spend on it and then valuing it to a dollar amount and it it feels very it's a very difficult feeling i would assume i mean i i i i can't imagine how much it must uh kind of occupy your 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 psyche when you're going through the process of like creating something from nothing and then putting a dollar value to it but like as you were saying, when, when you experienced that, and I'm sure Angela experienced that where people are actively like reaching out to you and looking to purchase pieces, like what advice would you give to people that are creating work that they really love and they care about? And they're going into this phase of their life where they're actually able to charge money for it. Like what advice would you offer in terms of like valuing your work and how do you frame that for them? You know?
3: Yeah. I I feel like it's all, uh, it's all kind of like interesting and silly in its own way. Like we wake up all of us, we wake up into this reality that we can't change at all where, you know, you have to, there's this monetary system of barter and exchange and, and equating value when really like I would be doing this, Anyways, like if I woke up into a reality where money wasn't a thing, I would just be doing this with my life to begin with. Um, And what I would say to, uh, so now I know, you know, okay, I have to play the game with that and I have to value myself. Um, The first thing I'd say is value yourself, like value yourself really, really highly because what you're, it's your, your life's work. It's, it's the thing that you're doing with the the small amount of time that you're here that uh, in the bizarre circumstances that and the chances by virtue like there's like a small chance that you're even born you know like you yes you against like uh 300 to 500 million brothers and sisters to the egg you know and then you win the race so then by virtue of that like everyone that you see around you we're all winners and our, the gift that we've won is consciousness, right? Yes. (laughs) Like the, so you're with your consciousness time, you're making your artwork and you should charge as much money as you can get for it. (laughs) Because uh, first of all, like it'll help you with paying the bills and all the basic stuff. Um, But also when you value yourself, you show others that you are valuable. Like, and it's a serious thing. Like, um, I've heard artists, like, charge hourly, and I'm like, well, you're gonna get, like, <laughs> hourly pay for art? Like, that's not, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's just, you're not valuing yourself in a in a proper way that way. Because um, your, your hours spent on the painting don't equate to the hours that it lives in infamy, right? It lives forever! Yeah, exactly. Like, like, that's the power of art is that no matter what
2: also it doesn't have to take a long time to make a good piece of art. You can make a good piece of art in like fifteen minutes sometimes. Sometimes sometimes it takes yeah. a really long time. But sometimes for me, like my best stuff happens really quick. Yeah. Like accidentally.
3: Yeah. yeah. So you can start like fifteen minutes of your time. You know, like it's it's true. Like you, you have to think about it like within a context of history. Like you're you're absolutely right about that. Like it it lives way beyond like that's the power of art in that like any totalitarian regime could come and go whether it's like um uh, the the Christian Empire that banned certain forms of art that didn't even allow things um, yeah. that now out have you know Caravaggio has outlived that so five hundred years ago he was making stuff that inspires me today, so hopefully five hundred years from now you know Sergio will. Be hanging next to a Caravaggio, hanging next to uh, Angela Kina that is inspiring people 500 years from now. And there's, in a sense, that's priceless. Yeah. It's it's a message that can be unaltered that speaks about the virtues of humanity and the reason why you should believe in it and save it if you can. Um, So, yeah. And we're, and we're, currently
1: doing this podcast because the two of you being very successful people in your own right, making work, uh, decided to take, you know, the the time out and create a piece collectively that not only denotes the moment that we're living in, but will hopefully forever, you know, immortalize, uh, these people, these kind of unspoken heroes that, you know, I mean, it would be amazing. Uh, I think, and I've thought about this. I'm sure you guys have thought about this. It'd be amazing for that piece for a child to walk up on that piece in a hundred years when the world is completely different and ask where it came from based on the title or have a set of earbuds on, and catch uh, a knowledge bud of our current time. And I think that's a beauty of art in general, but I also think that it's super important. The fact that you guys created it is, is that it kind of immortalizes the moment where... And because this entire pandemic is something that the world has never seen before. The, the entire world shut down overnight. Yeah. Overnight for a lot of people. And it put... The most people out of work, it staggered the economy. It shut down all of these businesses. It crippled the world. It really did. And you know what? Honestly, for good reason. I mean, uh, what what dollar price do you put on a human life? But at the same time, you guys talking about artwork and the dollar price that we put on artwork, you took out your own time, came together in one studio and created this 15-foot piece of work that can now exist forever that depicts these frontline workers that go into work, risk their lives and, and risk, you know, their, the, the ultimately the lives of the loved ones around them, whether they mean to or not. It's a very powerful thing. And I, I think it deserves a lot of, uh, you know, applause. It is, it, it definitely deserves uh, the, the, you know, the, the viewership that it's getting. And I I think it deserves more, but ultimately like how how did you guys come together on this? How did you split it up? Um, what was the deciding factor? I I, I mean, Angela, I know we talked before and you have, uh, you know, frontline workers in your
0: family, like how, how did this all coalesce? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, um, yeah, first of all, I do think it's really cool that we kind of captured what what was going on, not kind of. I mean, we did. We didn't we did. do it with intention to do anything. Really our only intention was like to make a painting for the people who we saw that were risking their lives. And basically it was like
0: my mom is a nurse and she's over 60 and you know,
2: they're saying that everybody, like, if you're over 60, like, you're, you know, in so much more danger and all this. And I, it was scary, you know, and his brother is an ER nurse. And, um, and I, you know, I really didn't want my mom going, she works in lactation, uh, on the, on the floor with the babies. And she did have like mothers who were COVID, uh, you know, COVID nineteen positive and stuff. But um I don't know. Basically like I think the painting somewhat came out of fear. It also like we had time because it was like everything everything stopped and shut down and and I think a lot of artists probably were like, Oh God, like what does this mean? Like what does it even mean to be an artist right now? Like art is like a non essential for most people. You know, like I mean it kind of like it's an essential because it like brings the community together and all this. But in reality, like you don't need it to survive like you can you like it's not a. you know what I mean yeah so it just also everything else kind of just seemed like any other ideas or whatever that maybe we, we had in our head just didn't seem important anymore you know and so um what was the question sorry it,
1: no, I I just so, you know, y- you guys you guys kind of came together for this painting and and you know, the impetus of it was obviously to to expose uh, the the fact that like, you know, while there's a lot of these stories circulating and there's a pandemic, you know, crippling an entire country like you know, we need to immortalize people that are doing this work. And, you know, the painting itself speaks volumes, the way that you guys put it together. Um, but you. How did you. How did you connect and uh, how did you come up with a concept for the way that it turned out and the way that it ultimately looks now, which is, you know, you know well,
0: yeah, front so line that was,
1: warriors, like the, the warriors right. on the front line.
2: Right. So I think partly like it kind of came out of fear, like that our our family members had to go to work and everybody's being told to stay home. Like everybody, all like all you hear is stay home, stay home, stay home. Like if you don't stay home, you're going to die. Like and, and also, obviously, you don't want to flood the hospitals because then they can't take care of people. Like so like we all knew that, like, basically everybody's going to get the coronavirus and the point is to flatten like to keep, to keep the hospitals like where they can handle it. So, um, I don't know, it was just terrifying. Yeah, being told to stay at home and then knowing that like my mom and his brother and, and other close friends of ours have to go to work like, and they don't stay home and then they have to go outside and be exposed to this thing and then come home, you know, where they have children and stuff like that. It was scary. And yeah. so like I said like art is you know like what like what's an artist supposed to do like when everything else seems so not important like what like it's like we wanted to do our part right so
3: call to action yeah
2: yeah like what what can i do right now like what matters
3: yeah so how how
1: working together in the space did you guys split up the painting cuz it's i mean for people that are listening to the podcast and watching these You're looking at a JPEG that's, you know, maybe uh, 200 by 400 pixels max, but this is a 15-foot long mural that is, uh, what, seven feet high? Yeah. 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 So how, how did you guys split this up so that you could effectively, like, attack it with enough time to, like, you know, really complete it without working on it for months and months and, you know, having this, you know, emerge at it. Not, not that that was part of the, you know, the, the, the plan per se, but you guys, I think, you know, you were impassioned to do this and you completed it very quickly. How did you split the time in the space?
3: Yeah, we did it in about one week's time. maybe Jesus. like a little bit over. We
2: did it in two yeah. weeks. So it was like two weeks.
3: Was like, yeah, well, you,
2: we did the majority of it uh, in like yeah, a
3: week. And 13 hour days. We were quarantining um, basically in Brooklyn and uh, there was a lot of time in our hands and we did feel a call to action. Like, you know, these people are putting their lives on the line. What can we do to serve them and uh, inspire them and you know, help them go to work every day and pay tribute and honor. And with that same concept that art is an immortal object, as long as humanity continues to exist, that we can, uh, take this time that we are living through. It is make no mistake. There's a plague, (laughs) a plague has fallen upon humanity. Once again, uh, but exactly like the bubonic plague, exactly like, you know, any other plague that hit us. And um, there are these heroes that were there, and they happen to be Angela's mother, my brother. One of my collectors had gotten sick, and he is uh, also a healthcare worker. And so that really hit Angela hard, and she was like, we should go deliver food to him. And so we drove Yeah,
2: because he called and he said that he tested positive, and and he and we were like, oh my god, like, what are you going to do? Do you have anybody to take care of you? And he was like, no, you know, I really need some water and some gatorade. I guess I'm going to go to the store. And I was like, don't go to the store, like, because then you're going to get, you know, we didn't want him to. Yeah,
0: you know, of course. The store,
2: right. So, um, so we went, and we picked up food, and we dropped it all at his house, and then the idea came after that. Yeah, and it that's was, awesome. Yeah. you sound
3: like? No, 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 go go ahead, go ahead. Um, Work that is important, like, like you can convey, there's a relational aesthetic between uh, a viewer that's unnoticed, and that's by virtue of size. If you make something bigger than a human, it conveys more power and importance to the subject matter of whatever you're creating. Um, And this really was an important like we started thinking about guernica and uh, Pablo Picasso's call to action when the Spanish civil war erupted uh 1937
1: and i was um, going to i was going to mention that the painting itself like yeah, making it that scale and having the hands really like exaggerated uh you know i i know that there is there's a definite influence to that. And, uh, and like, I, I want to, I want to make sure that, that that's, yeah. that, 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 that you guys, um, that you guys speak to that because, it, I mean, it's so powerful. It's, it's extremely powerful. The image in general, I mean, it it's, it, yeah. it, it affronts you, you know, it like gets right in your
3: face. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely a discussion that we had. Like it was, uh, sometimes when you're, you're managing ideas, like the, uh, like let's say Picasso's Guernica, uh, it's pretty abstracted. I mean, there's a lot there, you know, it's Spain's being bombed by Italian fascists as well as, um, Nazis and, uh, you know, he, he's taken the canvas and he's, he's dissected it in all these triangles and there's a light of God. There's also a horse. There's a building on fire and a woman screaming. And
2: it's dramatic. It's
3: very yeah, dramatic. Yeah, it's yeah
2: not a lot of drama.
3: So to, to speak to that in, in our piece. Um, and
1: it's giant in its, in its actual form. I mean, it's huge.
3: Yeah, and it's painted with a lot of vigor, a lot of power. It's very fresh, and he yeah. made it very quickly too. So we knew that we wanted quick, we wanted we wanted fresh, we wanted um, maybe not like within the same abstraction or metaphor because the viewership um, would would be maybe people that weren't experienced with. Um, most like forms of art that are that are hard to grasp or a little bit more difficult where it takes more thinking but we can use some of those same elements of like um, of symbolism like a warrior's hand being a little bit larger like a boxing mitt
2: the hands are definitely supposed to like um, refer to to boxing gloves like the hawk hands like they're strong and they're standing there and they're all very militant and um we're
3: gonna defend you we're gonna fight yeah Yeah, like
2: we both know how to draw anatomically correct hands right but that wasn't the point the point was like that they needed to feel strong like we did the hands and they were a little bit smaller and we were like no they have to be bigger like yeah like they need to be bigger like it needs to create a wall like a like a like a solid wall, so that the painting is confronting you. The painting is confronting you as if, like, you're the virus and you're not gonna get past the people in the painting.
1: Yeah, we got right. you. The kind of, we got you, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Ain't nobody getting through here. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: So it's supposed to, like, the original idea was that they stand like, well, they are standing like soldiers, but the original idea was that they, we like I was like, let's do it like they're like the way the US Army stands in a in a picture, you know, and they look like badass. But and uh and I thought we thought about like flags, but it's not obviously an American thing, it's a worldwide thing. So we didn't want any of that kind of symbolism. Sure. Like the thing about Guernica is like I have many times like taken old compositions or like compositions of like masterpieces and then recreated them. So my first thought when I realized that we're painting a painting about war is like, let's recreate Guernica. But then we're like, we don't need to take his composition. Like we can just make our own composition. But the fact that it's horizontal definitely references Guernica. But that also was just kind of a happy coincidence because we had – this canvas in the studio and all the art stores were closed. So we had to use what we had, like, we had to use what we had in our studio. We couldn't buy supplies. Yeah. So it just worked out perfectly that, that like, it's a big, long, horizontal painting, which and, Garen, I I would argue that it's, like, the most important painting about war or anti-war, like, about and, uh, yeah, I mean, i was never, like, Compare myself to Picasso, but uh, <laughs> like
0: you gotta do what you can we
2: did the same we, of course we, no, we, like he painted it with um he uh it was a reaction to to pain and suffering, and that's what ours was, really like it we weren't like, oh like let's make a painting for the coronavirus and let's like kind of do what Picasso did like no, it was very like like came from inside and we were like. We were reacting to what was happening around us, of course, and yeah, like the the horizontalness of it was a little bit intentional, but it was more like just like just meant to be
1: i mean you know i, I don't think there's any other way to present effectively a blockade than horizontally and and large right you know, so, it yeah. needs it so, needs to be. It has, yeah. to, and, and I mean, that's essentially what you guys are going for. You yeah. Know, you wanted- and the reason
2: that it had to be the size that it is is because the people had to be life size
0: because yeah. you had
2: to stand in front of it and feel like it, like the size of a, of a painting matters. Like if you want something to be really intimate and sweet, like you paint it small so somebody holds it in their hand and has yeah. to look at it, you know, or like, but if you want them to Feel like
0: like engulfed. By yeah. Then, and
2: yeah. then you have to paint a life size. Yeah. I think the size of the paintings is very important because, like, okay, it's, we didn't know the painting was going to go anywhere. We didn't care if the painting went anywhere. We didn't have any plans for the painting. We just wanted to make it. Like, technically, in the world that we live in today, like, shit, I mean, stuff only has to look good on the computer, right? you could make this painting small and it would still look the same as it does like, cause most people aren't going to see it in real life, right? They're just going to see it on the computer.
0: Yeah, but that's but the difference. That is, it in yeah, life, exactly.
2: Like it, it had to be, it had to be large. Like we, we could have made the same image at any size and, and gotten the same point across. But when you're standing in front of it, it's a conversation with the canvas and the, and the piece of work that you're standing. Like. That's why some yes. of the,
3: the, uh, photos that are that so many people have taken and a lot of healthcare workers have posed in front of have mimicked the, the, the painting, you know, locking arm in arm and the chain. Uh, and I, I don't, yeah, if it was like a small 10 by 10, I don't know if it would be like, hey, let's pose in front of this 10 by 10. You know? I mean,
0: it's
1: meant to elicit hope. You know, and and when you portray people the way that you guys did from all backgrounds, you know, arm in arm like that, especially when they're covered uh, and you can't really distinguish to a lot of degrees like who's who, everyone can see themselves in that painting and go, "I'm right fucking there. That's me. Yeah. I'm locking arms with my brothers or my sisters, and that's me. And that's fucking powerful, man." And that I think I think is is one of the more incredible aspects of it. And whether you meant to do it or not, um, I think that's what will essentially make this a, a everlasting piece of this part of history. Like I mean, yeah. there's no escaping that. I mean, you know, because the humanity of everything. It, whether you're a doctor or you know, just a a. A a normal person that lost their job I mean you can look at that painting and go I remember what that was like and I remember all those people that did that and I because you see them on the news and then you look at that painting and it's larger than life and it just kind of punches you in the face and you go fuck that was a moment in history wasn't it like Mm -hmm. and you guys captured
3: that and it's fucking amazing it's really amazing thank you yeah Yeah, it's um, and it's also a a a great thanks to the medical community, everyone in it, like the front desk workers, the security guards. Like, um, we had the really really good opportunity uh, to be in touch with uh, Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, and uh, starting to have the painting started tour of hopefully inspiration to many, many different medical institutions, um, starting there and really now it's at
2: Long Island Jewish
0: medical
3: center. In, yeah. in Long
2: Island where they had 18, they just, they had 1,800, um, patients discharged, yeah, which is, is the right. highest number of
0: amazing
1: yes. patients discharged yeah. in the, oh, in the so country. So I'm, I'm curious. We've we've gone over all the, the high notes. And and all of the uh, the the accolades. What were some of the difficult spots that you guys found yourselves in uh, trying to collaborate on this? Were there any moments where you were like I right, come on, let me do this. Or you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what what did you guys face when you were working on this? I mean it's a fifteen foot mural and you're both very uh, you know accomplished passionate artists like you had to have moments where you were battling each other
3: definitely (laughs) yeah there was there was a couple of those yeah yeah it was uh huh which one
0: did you you
1: guys did you guys split up the the uh you know the garments and the faces. Did you work on hands or feet or faces? Like, how did you guys break it up? We're,
2: we started it by we both were working on the entire thing. And, okay. And then once everything was like drawn on, I went in on the fabric. I did all the fabric, so it looked like it was all done by the same person. And he did all the he did all the portraits. Okay. So where did you guys
1: where did you guys collide?
2: <laughs> i mean we collided with the size of the hands
3: oh I, we, okay we didn't
2: want to do the hands that size and i was like
3: no but then i then i i i, he, I saw the uh the, the power in it i saw the power in it like, you were I was, coerced yeah yeah I, at first i was like i was like i don't know but then i was like you know they do kind of look like boxing gloves and i love that
2: he was painting them and i was like no we have to be bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, the cool moments too, like were where where uh, I got stuck on something, and then she was like, "Keep going, you can do it." And I was like, "Oh, I can't do it." And she was like, "She's like, no, maybe like this." And I was like,
2: "Oh." Yeah, and that happened the other way around too. Like I was stuck on like the background, and 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 also you know. It was like we had, we painted it with a lot of urgency, like um, the same urgency kind of that was on the news, right? But also my family was like, you got to get out of New York, you got to get out of New York. And I was like, I'm not leaving until I finish this painting. So we did paint like 16 hours a day. Like we, we painted all day and then like we slept next to the painting and then woke up, saw it for like, that was badass. <laughs> Keep going. And wow. we just kept painting and uh because I was like I'm not leaving like my family was trying to get me to leave New York and I was like I'm literally not
1: leaving no we're in this we're in this to the end yeah yeah uh,
0: yeah so we finished it so
1: yeah well I, I want to just quickly congratulate you again because uh, separately you're amazing artists but this piece together uh I think you know I don't want to speak out of turn I'm no art critic and, uh, I don't, I don't know what history has in store, but, uh, I feel like this piece has a special space in, uh, in all of our lives. I know it's traveled to a couple hospitals. Uh, I I'm curious where you guys would like to see it go. And then, uh, if we can really quickly, I just want to, uh, give you guys a moment to, direct people to your Instagrams, your websites, anywhere that they can see your actual work and also get more info on
3: this painting. Awesome. Yeah, we've had a lot of uh, uh, really, really good connections with uh, the Northwell Hospital Group. Um, They're the largest healthcare provider in New York State with over 200 out-care patient uh, facilities and 23 over 23 hospitals, um, and uh, they've been so super amazing. Big shout out to Mike Goldberg at uh, Long Island Jewish Medical Center. Woo You should uh, definitely uh, hop onto Instagram and follow him at uh, InsideLij. Um, he's really doing some amazing things awesome. there. And uh, so we'd like to keep it within the Northwell family. Because they've been so good to us, um, but it is uh, a traveling uh, painting, so uh, our basically it's like passing the torch. That's the name of the exhibition. So um, whether it can travel to many, many different uh, locations is in the works. Um, and
2: uh, yeah, because we just want to share the painting with as many people as we can, and yeah. you know, let the hospital workers enjoy it for a time and then it'll go to another hospital um or we're just
0: offending it where's the where's the dream final destination Uh, the whitney (laughs) (laughs) yeah be self yeah be selfless like where would you want to see
1: this thing live forever come on it's amazing like we're looking at it on full screen
0: right now it's fucking epic Thank where does you. this thing I live think... where does it live forever
3: yeah uh i think it'd be amazing if it if it lived forever in the lobby of of one of these hospitals that have yeah. taken it's about... so much damage like the most heat has in new york city has been long island jewish medical that's yeah. that's what um what the statistics say so you know if it would to live there um that would be that'd be tremendous. Uh all the proceeds of the painting will be going to um Code
2: Really Funds.
3: Funds. Um, Amazing. started a awesome. GoFundMe page.
2: Yeah, we did. We started a GoFundMe page where and that no, it was a um Shopify account where we're selling prints and all the money's going to charity. And that was like a whole thing and, and so after we did the painting then we like had to learn how to set up I don't know like a charity basically. So where, we did all where, that. Did all where can
1: people stuff. find that?
2: It's frontlinewarriors Frontline 2020org
1: Frontline Warriors2020.org and then yeah,
2: it's you're- still up. You can purchase a like a 14 inch print for twenty five dollars and the money goes it's cherry, to charity. That's COVID.
3: amazing. Yeah, and the charity we're working with, uh, is DonatePPE.org, is a really, really good one. And okay. Based California, and they've been giving a lot of COVID relief to um, hospitals and.
2: You know. Yeah, and donate and um, and Northwell Hospital Group has an overall coronavirus
0: relief fund. Also, mm-hmm. where awesome. Where-
1: and then, where can people find your guys' work specifically?
3: Great. Yeah. Uh, you can find my work at, uh, sergiobrawley.com. Uh, S e r g i o b a r r a l e, And same thing for Instagram. Um, Amazing. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm gum. I'm Gumshoe shoe art, uh, on Instagram. And then actually my website right now, I think is set up to sell the prints too. So awesome. You go look that up. My name, Angela Keener. Um,
1: yeah i believe there's a link to all that stuff on my website awesome well you, you guys are fantastic what you've done is amazing and i really i just like the biggest thanks for coming on the show and doing this live show and and promoting all of this again uh thanks for
2: having oh, us i hope we covered so
1: everything you me. wanted to cover no we, we we're, definitely it did uh, an hour goes fast when, yeah, you're, we're fast when you're having fun too uh yeah. you guys are the best thank you so much um we'll we'll talk again very soon and any links uh that you have beyond that that you remember after the fact please send to caitlin or gabe we'll post them in the show notes and make sure that everybody that listened gets all of those links and uh uh not just to your worst but any of the other um uh funds and benefits that you guys have have expressed and um like I said, again, it, it's an unbelievable piece of work. It was a pleasure talking to you guys, getting to know you and uh, I look forward to seeing where this, uh, you know, where this ends up and uh, what it continues to do for people. It's fantastic the work that you guys have done. Uh, thank, you. thank
0: you
3: so much. And yeah. Thank you, Julie, Kim, and Littlefield. And yes. Ooh, thank you so much. All Thanks, right, Cheers, Thanks up. for having us. Cheers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Good night.